0: There is no new idea in your life without a drop list of things to stop doing. A drop list. I'm dropping these things. I'm not doing these things. I'm saying no to these things. I'm getting this off the agenda. I'm letting that responsibility go. It's the things you aren't going to do that help you do the things that you're going to do. So you gotta spring clean a little bit. If you got new dreams in your life, spring clean. What are you gonna stop doing? High-performance training, action mindset. This is important. How do you develop the action mindset, but actually also, here, I should just add this in here. How do you actually get the action mindset and then make it a discipline? Discipline. Here it is. First thing you've got to adopt, well, there it goes, is your, let's try this, your 30-minute daily Block. People tell me all the time, Brent, I got this dream or this goal. I'm like, great, what 30 minute period of day are you gonna work on it today? What do you mean? Well, you said you have a big goal, right? Yeah, big idea, right? Yeah, okay, show me when's the 30 30 minute block that that thing gets today. It's a new idea, you say, right? Yeah, okay, where is it? Is it 1.30 to 2? Is it 4 to 4.30? Is he gonna check it at 5 right after work till 5.30, then get on the commute a little later? Like, when? New ideas must have new blocks of time. Write it down. New ideas must have new blocks of time. If you got a new idea, someday, someday, big dream, and it doesn't land in the calendar, at least, listen, daily, 30-minute daily block of time, of course you're not gonna get momentum. It's gotta be, look, if you won't give it something 30 minutes a day, it don't matter to you. Just be honest, like, uh, any good parent will tell you this. Like, if you don't spend thirty minutes with your kids a day, I mean, good luck in having that connection. Good luck in forging that future. Good luck in helping that person feel loved and supported. I mean, if something is important to you, you give it time. Is it true? So, if this idea is important to you, immediately mindset. This is what I immediately do: thirty minutes, and. If it's a completely new idea, it's gotta get at least 30 minutes if I want it to actually come true. And it's important from the time I set the idea, the next day it gets 30 minutes. Big new idea, must do it. If it's important to me, the next day it gets 30 minutes. Not four years from now. Like right now, I have a big partnership I'm working on. Like it completely came into my life, totally interrupted my life. I don't have any time, but it's important. I found 30 more minutes a day, right? 30 more minutes is easy to find for everybody. People don't think they can, it's possible. I just had a friend, and I get in a huge argument over lunch about this, not everybody can find 30 minutes. And I'm like, who can't find 30 minutes more a day? Like, show me, who, which a little more discipline, a little more planning and preparation, who can't find 30 more minutes a day? Well, I'm you know, i busy and I have all these things, and you don't understand, I'm like, okay, well, walk me through your day. Well, I have to get up, I gotta get, Everything, you know, get the kids ready for work. I gotta get in the car, I gotta commute. That commute's an hour every single day. I can't take away that. I gotta do this and this and this. And I'm like, well, what if you didn't drive? What do you mean? Well, what if you didn't drive the car so that your focus and intention could be doing something else? Well, I gotta do the commute. I don't know. Um, I've noticed that a lot of cars have a passenger seat and some of them even have a back seat and if you sit in one of those, you don't have to do this, and I just got you an hour a day. So many people are so, they believe so deeply that they are managing their time so great. I'm like, no, most people have so much free time, they have no idea. It's that they are distracted and unprepared or addicted to consuming, that they're losing little, little pieces. And especially here in the United States, you guys have heard me rail on this, the average American, four hours of television a day, don't tell me you don't have 30 minutes a day. I don't know anyone who can't find 30 more minutes a day for a great new idea that can change their life. You got a new idea that can change your life? Find your 30 minutes every single day. Number two, remember the first output rule. First output rule says this. If You've got a big new dream, big new goal, big new idea. Don't think that you have to do what we've all been taught, which is begin with the end in mind, because sometimes you don't know what the end in mind is. But you know the first step. So what I tell people is like, I got a big new idea. I go, great, what's the first output that you would have to create on that immediately? What's like the first output that would start you on the path? Um, I, I don't know, okay, figure that out. First step, first output, right? First step is not the research. What's the first output? Let me give you an example. When I began my career, I said, one day I'm gonna do video courses. End in mind, I'm gonna do all my online courses. That was the big idea. I, Brendan Richard, am gonna do online courses. Guess what I didn't do? I didn't say, well, I better figure out the whole curriculum for all the courses for the rest of my life, Begin with the end in mind. Didn't do that. I said, what's the first step that would allow me to start doing that? Okay, first step, get in front of camera, teach, and post it on the internet. That's the first output. One teaching video on the internet. So I went and I got my stupid little, at the time, flip video camera. Some of you guys know about those. Got a flip video camera. I duct taped it to a box. I put on my cleanest shirt at the time. And I stared at the camera and I taught. And I pulled off the flip video camera and I spent four hours uploading it on the internet. You remember that? Probably not, but you remember that? Yeah, upload, 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 upload. And then it wouldn't play because it was, wouldn't stream fast enough. But I spent the time. The first output to me building an online course empire One video, what's your first output? Do that now. That's how you maintain momentum. The reason people don't stick to their habits is because they're waiting to create the output someday. I'm like, what's the first output? Do it, that's the thing to work on right now. When you got that 30 minute daily block, work towards that first output because you get the first output, you got real momentum. You get the first output, your dream, your idea is realized, it's tangible. It's like, ooh, I did that thing. First output. If you don't know the first output of what you have to create, you don't even have a dream. You, got, you, got, you, got a, you don't even have a fully thought out idea. First output, make it, do it, create it, post it, do the thing, that's it. I wanna write a book, Brendan, but I don't know what the whole book is. I'm like, great, first output, first page, write it. What do you mean I don't know what the book is? Write the first page. But I don't know what the book is. Write the first page. First output would be the first page of the book, right? Write the first page. But I don't know what the five chapters are. I don't write the first page. See, you don't have to know the whole picture. First step, do the first output. Because you get that first page done, you'll probably get that next page done. You'll probably get the next page done, and you'll start getting clarity of the project. A lot of the creativity of life comes in motion, not beginning in speculation. Okay, next up, number C 90 day challenge. <laughs> I can't believe how many people have a big dream or big goal, and they don't set up their own 90 day challenge. Like, okay, what's your first output? Good job, appreciate you, but you got 30 minutes every single day. In 90 days, where are we? 90 days, three months, let's go. Because see, what most people are, they're scared to commit to the big idea and dream. And I go, oh, don't commit to the first big idea dream. Not for life, just like you won't ruin your life forever. Don't commit to your new idea or dream forever. I need 90 days. Give me 90 days, man. Commit to that thing 90 days and get at it for 90 days. Reevaluate after the 90 days where you're at. Don't think, see, most people don't take an action because they think, well, I'll have to do this action forever, just like they worry I'll be ruined forever. There's no forever. There just isn't. There's just now. None of us are guaranteed anything. So if what we have is right this moment and we're looking to the future and we're working towards that, good job. I want, in 90 days, where are you? That's it. What'd you do in 90 days? Did you lose five pounds? Great. You don't have to say, I'm gonna be completely life transformed. I'm gonna have six pack abs and still drink pina coladas on the beach with 40 people in bikinis around. No, 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 no. Dude, lose five pounds. You got 90 days, go. Like just set the 90 day challenge for yourself and get at that. And then worry about the next series of goals after that. So if you've got a big idea or a dream and you're really committed to it, Commit to a 90-day challenge, and what does that mean for you specifically? What's gonna happen at the end of 90 days? How you think, how you feel, how you move, what we will achieve, what outputs are created. Get really clear on those types of things. You'll be so happy you did. Without these things, there is no idea into action. There is no momentum. That's why you didn't stick to your habit, because you didn't give it 30 minutes a day. You didn't stick to your habit, because you didn't even know what you were supposed to do. You didn't stick to your habit, because you didn't at least set a time period that was realistic for yourself, that was doable. D. You gotta have your drop list. There is no new idea in your life without a drop list of things to stop doing. A drop list. I'm dropping these things. I'm not doing these things. I'm saying no to these things. I'm getting this off the agenda. I'm letting that responsibility go. It's the things you aren't going to do that help you do the things that you're going to do. So you gotta spring clean a little bit. If you got new dreams in your life, spring clean. What are you gonna stop? doing right i'm very 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 disciplined about this for me personally i have one of my own personal practices on the first of every month i make my drop list every month not once a year every month i go okay this month what do i need to drop because inevitably I, you know i'm i'm moving so fast i pick up new things i'm doing all the time right? some new idea new new dream new thought because i'm trying to innovate i'm trying to be up front i'm trying to lead i'm, I'm trying to change things and then what ends up happening is I, throughout the month, other people also do what? Other people give you responsibilities, give you ideas, give you programs. They're, they're adding on to your plate. All month long, you're collecting a bigger and bigger plate, right? Some, some month I start, I go, okay, well, this month, uh, I'm gonna do these five new things. And the end of that month, I realize, you know what? I'm not gonna be able to maintain five. I'm gonna drop two of them. I'll stick with three, but I can't do all five. That's a drop list. Without a drop list, I have no idea how you can keep adding new things. Make sense? Some of the biggest breakthroughs in our life is when we just stop doing the things that we know aren't right for us. Next up, big important one, the Friday friend status call. Everything that we know from goal setting comes back to sociology. If you don't have someone you're doing something with actively, if you don't have an accountability partner, you don't have a coach, you don't have a friend you go to lunch with or someone you talk it through, then the odds of that happening for you are so low. Because you know what? We're social beings. We need processing time with other people. And the more processing time we have, usually the more progress we get, right? It's why therapy is so powerful in unlocking people or coaching is so powerful in unlocking people. It's like, oh, I'm processing. Oh, I'm getting distinction. I'm getting more progress. You need that Friday friend status call. If you got a big new goal or dream, all I want you to do every Friday at the end of the day, literally five minute, 10 minute, 15, 30 minute call, whatever it is, Pick it up, call your friend and say, I did this this week. Struggled with this, this worked, that went well. You, now you go. How did you do? And just, you got one person in your life every week you're talking about momentum with. I don't care if it's your mom. I I, I prefer this as a human, so not the cat, but a human that you, every single week you talk through things with, Like, where are you? I don't care if it's the librarian, I don't care if it's your social worker, I don't care if it's your brother, I don't care who it is, it's gonna be the stranger across the street. Don't talk to strangers if you're PG-13. But everybody else, have that conversation, and just on a Friday go, hey man, this is where I'm at. Because if you won't do that, I promise, if you don't socialize your learning, you will not achieve your dreams. You must socialize. What am I learning? Where am I at? How's it going? What am I struggling with? You gotta ask for help, but you need a consistent basis. Big dreams require weekly check-ins. Write it down. Big dreams require weekly check-ins. So who's gonna be your weekly check-in? Accountability coach, friend, mentor, who? Every week, check-in. And if you're like, well, I don't know anybody, everybody hates me. You know what? Go on your Facebook page every Friday at five and go, this is what I learned this week. This is what I tried. What did you guys try? And all the people who make fun of you, delete them and everybody else say good for you. So easy, life's very simple. <laughs> Next, create motivation triggers. When I walked in this door today, it's the same when I walk in the doors of, of, of my conference rooms, at, um, when I'm doing my seminars, that when I, usually my doorway trigger, meaning that's what a motivation trigger is, I, I, a trigger is something physical or tangible happens and you attach either a statement or an action to it, okay? Trigger is something tangible that you say or do when something else happens. So when I walk through a door, and that's every door of my life, I walk through a door, my mind almost always says, because i have just conditioned it over and over and over doing this, I walk through a door, my mind says, I am a happy man entering this space ready to serve. I'm a happy man entering this space ready to serve. It's been since I was like 20 years old. One, because I always want to remind myself I'm happy. I have so much to be grateful for. So do you. So how are you reminding yourself that you're grateful, that you're happy, that you're good? And then I remind myself, I'm entering the space ready to serve. Not hoping to serve, not maybe one day I'll deserve to serve, I'm ready right now. Whatever I know, I believe in my ability to figure things out, I'm ready to serve now. I don't need permission, I don't need more money, I don't need more team, I'm ready to serve. Whatever, Whatever I got, I'm ready, let's go. I don't need new things, more things, better things, tons of things, I'm ready to serve right now, let's go. I'm not ever waiting to provide service to the world, ever. You don't have to have the big stuff, the fancy stuff, just go. I didn't have big fancy cameras and lights and fancy big flip charts when I started this. It was me in a really dirty shirt with the thing, uh, the buttons too hung open like, Ugh, you know, it's like, it was so nasty and gnarly and bad, it was awesome and I was ready to serve. You don't have to have everything. I was watching this documentary recently on my, my, my man, uh, Usain Bolt, uh, one of the greatest, well, he is the greatest sprinter of all time, right? And you see the scene of him and he's doing sprints in a field uh, with like this sort of little belt tied around his waist, tied to a chain, tied to, uh, you know, um, uh, we would call it a weight sled, but you could barely call it that, a little metal sled where you put on like, you know, weights, like a 45 pound weight from like lifting. And it's like, so he would sprint with this, Little things. When you go to the NFL, or I work with my, you know, my major teams, they usually got, they got the fancy sleds, these longer sleds that glide when you take off, that release proportionate amount of tension along with the weight as you speed up, like very fancy contraptions now. This dude, the best ever, is down in Jamaica in a hot field with this huge belt on, with like one coach, not 12 coaches, one coach, standing there next to him. He ties this thing. And when he takes off, this thing is bouncing along behind him. It's like, the just like, you're like, and he's the world's best because he's not waiting to have everything to train. He's training. I'm not waiting to have everything to serve. I'm serving. So many of my people, well, one day when I have a following, I'll post some stuff. I'm gonna start posting stuff. Now, One day when I'm ready, I'll put myself. No, there is no one day to be ready. You're ready now, go. It is a mindset you must have. You're ready to go. So that's one of my triggers. Walk through a door, I'm entering the space as a happy man, ready to serve, let's go. And that's just one, one trigger. I have all sorts of other triggers. I have different doorway triggers. When I walk in my house, I say something a little different to myself than when I walk in my office. But other triggers I have. When a door closes in a car. Every time a door closes in a car, I say something else to myself. When I walk into my office, I take a first action that triggers momentum for me. Like, you need to have first actions or space triggers that help you stay your best. They're ultimately all geared towards one thing. How can you remind yourself to be at your best? And how do you use physical objects, time periods, um, situations to get yourself there? That's the question. That's your job. These are motivation triggers because if you're not triggering yourself, the world's doing it for you. And if the world's doing it, you know what the world's gonna trigger you towards? Angst, outrage, distraction, consumption. It's not gonna trigger you towards you being your best self. So if you didn't maintain your habits this year, go on my YouTube channel and, and type in the word, you know, the, type in the power of habits and you'll see a video that will teach you how to set some more of those examples, right? If you look in a mirror, you should have a mirror trigger. See your reflection of yourself, say something to yourself. I know that sounds like just like positive thinking kind of stuff and you know what it is. Because what's the alternative? Stupid thinking, negative thinking, scarcity thinking? You need to have a little bit more triggers set up to make you work. And sometimes if it's not just you, get somebody else to do it. Get a coach to do it, a mentor to do it, a friend to do it but you need to be triggered to be your best. How are you currently triggering yourself to be your best? Many of you know, you've been with me for years. Uh, you know, we kind of, now everybody does it, but we're the first one to do it. When the smartphone came out and the first alarm was able to be set a label, I created this training and put it out about saying, hey, use this alarm label on your phone to send yourself reminders to tell you to be awesome. Put your three words in here that pop up and remind you who to be. Use this as a trigger to be your best instead of a box of consumption, because this can be a weapon for good or a weapon that takes you into distraction, but it's up to you, just like the rest of life. Self-reliance, it's up to you. Part of the problem is they believe that there's gonna be one singular wow purpose for them and not realize our purpose has changed throughout our lives as we all teach, that you know your, 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 your purpose and your mission, your sense of fulfillment and meaning shifts at different times of your life. If it's different when you were a teenager than when you were a mom or a parent, than when you were a leader or a business owner, it just changes. But purpose is not a destination. Purpose is a flowering. Purpose is a flowering. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, as we're going through our lives, we're gonna have a lot of metaphor, metamorphosis, meta, metamorphosis I don't know. Is that plural? Can you even say that? But, you know, there's that moment, those moments where we grow into something else, where we bloom from a situation, even if it's darkened soil, where we open up to a different style, approach, awareness, consciousness, uh, where we open up our personality, where we open up our beliefs. And these are transformative moments in our lifetime, right? And what I mean by purposes of flowering is you might be stuck right now and not realize that you being stuck is the gateway to the next level of your life. People who lack resilience bemoan the moment and they get stuck here and frustrated that they're stuck here and they don't understand their life is expanding. Even if right now my finances are stuck. Even if right now the kids don't like me, well, they're two, give them time. You know, it's like, or they're 18, give them a few years. It's like, listen, we, we, we so get so narrowly focused now that we lose the connection that life is expanding. You know, this last year I've been telling all my um, audiences and, and my high end clients, I said, listen, last year was and very really like the last 2 years was a sensation of constriction we felt shut down we felt we had to go in protection mode and some people are still living there and we forget that the whole universe is expanding you know that we are go- that our life is growing and flowering in front of us and let let's be curious about that blooming let's be excited to see where it goes even when it's in difficulty. Uh, I had a major brain injury in 2011, and I, I didn't know what my life was gonna be like. And I had two or three days after my diagnosis, I knew the next two or three years was gonna be really difficult with a traumatic brain injury, and I was scared. I was writing a book, my career was going big. Uh, I, I had all these responsibilities, and I was freaked out. And I just remember laying in bed and I thought, well, Either this is a challenging moment that opens up your next level of being, Brandon, or this is a moment you quit. How are you going to look at it? You're going to quit because it's hard. We're going to say, maybe this very challenge was placed before me to make me better one day. Maybe I can't see that now but maybe I'm supposed to grow into something more. I don't know what it is, but I have faith in that process. It's the same old tired metaphor that I know you know, but it is a beautiful metaphor from nature. When that caterpillar goes in that cocoon, there's that time of isolation, of darkness, of uncertainty, of how things are going to turn out, of the difficulty of breaking free to that next level, but when that breaking free happens, it's like another being emerges, right? Uh, Another spirit, right? That metamorphosis is transformational, and that caterpillar is this light, dancing, ethereal, gorgeous butterfly. When before, it was kind of this slimy little thing inching along, which had its own beauty and challenges, but at some point, nature had the impulse to say go within take a minute, take a minute, meditate, sit in stillness, and imagine what's next. Because we don't know when that cocoon will open out of our challenges or our difficulties. But if we are faithfully aware during those times, if we are faithful to this idea that our purpose, our future, it's flowering, that we will emerge lighter, better, if we have that trust in nature, in time, in God, in universe, in cosmos, in expansion, whatever your vibe is, when you can reconnect to that, you can get through the difficult moments. Because recognizing that life has challenge, struggle, suffering, difficulty, that's how I began this talk. We have to be aware of that. We have to acknowledge that. We have to be okay with that. And once we can say, yeah, sometimes life super sucks, It does. Guess what? That hurt, that pain, that struggle, that's an indicator light of now. That's not the roads ahead. I'm not gonna drive my life because of that. It's that idea of like, well, let me look at it. Let me talk about it. Let me express about it. Let me journal about it. Let's shed some light on this difficulty here because monsters fade with more light. Right, the darkness opens to light as we open up the door again versus closing our heart oh, right. You know what? I got to take care of my body and release some of this tension so that when that challenging moment comes up, I feel ready and loose and I'm not carrying all this hurt, pain, and stress. And we have to notice that we are blooming now, even when it's difficult, even when it's the hardest time, even when we don't feel good. People always ask, how did you pull through that brain injury? I'm like, well, I, I, I just decided that I must. And I decided that that challenge was given to me to make me better. I didn't know if I would get better ever at that moment. I didn't know if would my brain heal, would my body heal? I had, for those who know the story, I, I had wrecked a four-wheeler, an ATV, and I snapped my wrist off, broke a couple of ribs, threw out my hip, dislocated my shoulder, rattled my brain with a traumatic brain injury and a post-concussive syndrome. Tough time, tough two years. Brutal in many ways. And it was a moment where I could have quit or I could say, all right, I guess this is asking me to get better. This is a big challenge. How will I meet it from my best self? How will I maintain my own energy? How will I reach out to people? How will I trust that even if I feel limited in this moment, that limitation there's still a gate that is opening to the future. Even if I feel alone right now and it's dark, I'm telling you what, that cocoon is just building around me. If I stay open and trusting in nature and faith or God, and suddenly that cocoon opens up and I emerge as a different being. Monsters fade with light. And sometimes, you know, we forget that and we hold so much from our past in our mind that we're not even free in the moment because we're ter- we're scared. You know, I always tell the story, if you've ever been to my seminars, I often tell the story of when I was like 12 or 13 years old, I had gone and you know, sh- shut out the lights in the house, went, went to bed and um, was just getting comfortable in bed and happened to look around my room and in the closet, there was a figure in the closet. And it scared me. Like, I was like, someone in my closet was like, terror. I pull up the sheet as if, you know, the sheet is going to protect me from the ax murderer. You know, not so good. But I pulled up the sheet and I was mortified, mortified. And I just sat there and I was just like, I felt all these fears, and all these thoughts went through my head. And it was just terrible. And finally, I was like, just laying there. And I was like, I realized how ridiculous it was because if, if it is an ax murderer, here I am, just not going to do anything. And I I willed myself to throw off the covers, go turn on the light, and then attack this thing, right? And of course, what I see, turn on the light, go to the closet. It's my baseball cap, my winter jacket, hanging just at the right angle with the right shadows. There's no monster there. I had made up something bigger in my mind than what was actually there. Mental resilience is often about The truth of light being shed on things, sometimes facing it, sometimes finally talking about it, finally sharing about it, finally sitting down with it and looking at what it is. Sometimes it's getting perspective on something. But that mental resilience comes from perspective, going, oh, I thought this thing was big and scary and awful and traumatic and going to be forever. And then mental resilience goes, oh, when I turn the light on it, I recognize yeah, wasn't good, but there it is. It's it's not as big and scary as I thought it was. Or hey, let me shed some light on it and have a conversation with people, bring out this hurt and share this thing with people because you know who becomes really resilient? Communicative people. People who open up their heart, open up their mouth, share with others their experience and their struggles because often it's talking through those challenges, demons, villains, monsters, whatever metaphor you want to use. It's in discussion that we, we, other people talk about it and like, oh, that thing's, oh, that thing's not so scary. Oh, and in processing, I'm understanding my feelings more. Again, this is just why I think it's so important. Most people have never had these tools and they've never summoned the courage to talk about things. But the people I follow uh, online, as an example, the, the influencers who really inspire me, they're often like, here's what I'm going through. They're sharing their struggles and not as an act to get more likes or followers, but because we know in expression, we discover emotion. We discover that in expression, we can find empathy for our own voice and receive it from others. In expression, we can realize that this thing doesn't have control of us. We get to communicate its meaning. We get to communicate what it is and what it is not in expression. And so I say, monsters often fade with light. I was people, don't, don't forget that the, 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 the light in a dark room only exists because of the dark, but that, that light grows as you open that door a little bit more. And you're not so closed anymore. And people fail to realize and go this deep on resilience. Most people are like just mental toughness. And I'm like, yeah. How about we start with, instead of mental toughness, we start with emotional openness. Because if we start with emotional openness, when we open that door a little bit to our truth, to our real thoughts, our real feelings, our real desires, our real needs, when we open the door just a little bit more, that light comes in a little bit more. And the more open we learn to be emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the more we tend to notice the light of the world. When we close down and shut within, and we obsess about and stay static, frozen about the monsters, that's a long, dark night of the soul. So I want to remind you, you can open up again. That might be the first next right step for you, to open, to express, to share. Even if that just means you sit down with your own journal and acknowledge it and write it down. This doesn't mean you need to go do Instagram posts. What it means is sometimes, literally just writing about it can help you activate a different part of your mind, can help you gain control over it by giving it voice. These are skills, right? These are skills. And the skill of expression, whether it's self-expression in your journal, or you talk to your phone and record it, or you share something with your lover or your partner at dinner, um, or you go to a group, you meet new people. This is powerful stuff. This is really powerful stuff. And I really wanna encourage you to think about, like, wow, have I been as resilient as I wanted to? Have I been you know um, you know stuck in a room thinking there's bigger monsters out there because another part of resilience is that perspective to realize that tomorrow that you're so scared about it's a baseball cap and a jacket It's a mental projection We are the ones who build the vision of fear in the future because the future, doesn't yet exist. Tomorrow is very much a blank page. And even if there are known challenges in the future, we still can't see the chapter after that. All we can do is show up each day, faithful, ready, doing our best. And when we can do that over and over and over again, suddenly things aren't so scary. Hey, it's Brendan. You know one question I never anticipated getting as the world's leading high-performance coach, it's, Brendan, what kind of car do you drive? I never anticipated getting that, but I drive a Range Rover Sport. I love this thing. You know, when you look at the Range Rover Sport, it, you just know it's it's powerful, it's all-terrain, it's the thing in sporting luxury, but what a lot of people don't know is when you get in this thing, it's got this uh, like cockpit-like experience inside. It feels amazing. To drive it. Inside there's noise cancellation, there's cabin air purification. They have massage seats, literally. I mean, this thing is awesome. It's my favorite drive. It's got the power, the performance, the agility that someone like me who's really into high performance cares about. You can go build your own Range Rover Sport at landroverusa.com. That's landroverusa.com. This is something that I've practiced for about the last four years, and it's been very, very helpful for me. Here it is, daily goals done by one, right? Just write it down below, hashtag done by one, done by one. What I want you to do is every morning, fill out your high performance planner, know what you need to focus on and get done that day, and then ask yourself, if I could only, if I had to get this done by one, 1 p.m., how would I do it? If I only got to work until 1 p.m., and I know some of you only do work to 1 p.m., because we had a lot of extraordinary, successful people in this community who, you know, you work your mornings, you take your afternoons off. I get it. I appreciate you too. But for those of you who have not achieved that yet, okay, let's think about it. Let's ask this question. If you only had, let's imagine the day only went to 1 p.m., Obviously you couldn't get everything in. So what do you have to focus on? If you're gonna have done by one, what do you have to focus on? The major priorities and the needle moving activities. Write it down. The major priorities of the day and the major needle moving activities. Done by one. That's what I do. And people are like, how does he get so much done? I'm probably not doing any more than anybody else. It said every day, though, the major priorities and the major needle-moving activities done by one. Write it down. Major priorities, major needle-moving activities done by one. Then, guess what? It leaves a whole afternoon to all the randomness of life, right? Oh, I got to take a call? Great. Guess what? I don't take any calls till the afternoon. Why? I set that up so that I can make sure that I focused on the morning being dedicated towards moving my life and my business forward. That was my progress check. That's what I focus on. It's like, did I do what is necessary this morning before I took random calls from other people, asking me things, pitching me things, interviewing me on things? Now, some of you say, that's just not possible, Brennan. I gotta get the kids up, get them to school, come back check my email, respond to everybody else. And I'm like, no, you need to do your job and get it done by one. The major needle moving activities that are your job, get it done by one. You gotta reorient the day. Now people say, well, Brendan, what is one? I said, well, one is kind of arbitrary, isn't it? Because if you got it done by two, would that be equally good? Yes, but the done by one, because it rhymes, it sticks in your brain a little bit, right? You guys like this? It's like done by one mentality allows me to move ahead faster because I imagine I go, I only have till one o'clock to get my major needle moving activities. So every day by one, the major things that had to get done that I had to do, I've either got them done or significantly along the way. And that's what's important. But many people aren't doing that. You know what you're doing? You're spending so much time reacting to everybody else in the morning that you're not doing the major things that were on your plate that you were supposed to do. And that is why I know without a question in my mind that to double the progress of this group, team HPX, we can do it guys. We really can do this. We can double your progress. If we can help you adopt this mindset of done by one, figure out what are the major priorities of this day and what are the major needle moving activities. Now I always get asked, what's the difference between the two, Brendan? What's the difference between a a priority and like a needle moving activity of my life or my business? Okay, let's talk about priorities. Maybe uh, your priority today, let's say, let's see, one of your priorities might be something as simple as, you know what? Call my uncle. He's sick. He's sick in the hospital. He's a priority day. I gotta call him. Okay, I'm gonna call him by one. That's a priority, right? A needle moving activity is an activity usually related more towards an output, like an activity like, okay, uh, uh, something that moves the needle forward in your brand or your business. For me, as an example, a podcast episode, as simple as that sounds, might be a needle moving activity. Great, that moves the needle in growing our, our brand. Cool, episode done by one. Oh, needle moving activity? That may mean a major email broadcast to my email list. Great. Done by one. Major needle moving activity, call somebody who uh, I'm gonna do a business deal with or who's gonna be affiliate promotional partner, call is done by one because that was a needle moving activity, right? Something that moves the business or your life forward. Sometimes your priorities, hey, your priorities can be relationships, your priorities can be handling things for your wife, your husband, your spouse, your partner, the kids, you know, those are priorities for the day. They might have, those are just like, that's a priority. It has to get done today. And this specific day, it has to get done. You know it can't get done tomorrow because it wouldn't be a priority if it was tomorrow. Today, it's a priority, right? Priorities are today. So what must, it's not just a to-do list, because lots of things are to-do lists. Like, I bet you've written to-do lists before. And isn't it true a to-do list, sometimes for you, carries over to tomorrow? Well, that's the difference between a priority and a to-do list. Follow? Because sometimes you write things on a to-do list, it's okay if you add them to it three days from now, 10 days from now, 50 days from now. A priority today. Urgent, immediate, necessary. Let's deal with it today. And not just emergency reaction, but you put it there. It was on your battle board. It was in your game plan. It's in your high performance planner. It's going to happen today. Got it? So this this idea of done by one has really served me throughout my life, and I really want you to hear this, guys, because I, I can't be more honest about something than this one. I'm not a morning person. I'm absolutely not a morning person, and I still implement done by one mentality, even as I'm not a morning person. You know, I'm some of you know me for a long time, or if you're new to the membership, I can welcome here. I'll tell you some things about myself once in a while as we do these. I'm kind of a nutty professor in the morning. You know, I wake up, you know, Denise is so happy and she's excited to do things. And I walk out into the kitchen and and she's like, hi, she hits me with a list of 74 things she's thought of and done. She's already downloaded from the universe, all the obligations in the history of humanity as a woman, as a leader, as a wife, as a daughter, a caregiver, family leader, she's, she's already got it all down. And I'm kind of like, huh? Like my brain does not kick on. I think it used to kick on a little bit faster. But since 2011, when I had my brain injury, it's a little slower. I'm a little slow roll in the morning. And you know, I don't turn to a cup of coffee usually. I just let my brain kind of wake up and I start, you know, moving my body. So some of you know, my morning routine. I do 20 minutes of movement. So, I do yoga, calisthenics, stretching, or a walk, or a jog, or just something for 20 minutes. And it's not to, it's not my workout of the day. It's just to open up my body, get mobility, activate, right? Then I spend 20 minutes with a book. Something good. Something I can read that is inspiring, makes me think, it gets my brain turned on by reading. Then if I don't feel like reading for any reason, if I don't feel like reading for the 20 minutes, I'll close my eyes, I'll visualize and think through the day. Then I'll spend 20 minutes with my high performance planner. And people are like, you spend 20 minutes with your high performance planner? And I think I've misspoken on that a few times and you guys busted me on it and it's okay. Um, In that I spend 20 minutes with the high performance planner and usually like a battle board type thing. So I'll fill out the high performance planner, I'll consider the overall context of what I'm doing, So, I'll flip more to those monthly pages in the High Performance Planner. And then I'll kind of sit there, I'll visualize, I'll think about it. Okay. I'll walk through the day. How could I do that activity with excellence today? How could I be really present today? What might trip me up today? The questions in the High Performance Planner. I'll take those on. And then as I do all that, I'll go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the day now. You know, I'm ready for the day. And I get excited because that morning warm up, my body's open, my mind is open. My day is planned. Let's go. Before that, though, I'm going to, you know, and then bam. So I got to go through that hour in the morning, but then I'm ready to go. And then my mentality, that doesn't matter. If, if that happened, if I had a late night and it's 10 a.m. and I do that by 11 a.m., still, my question to be, okay, gosh, I'm only starting work here at 11 o'clock. Shoot, Brendan, it's 11 o'clock. I'm only starting at 11 o'clock, Brendan. Done by one. What would you absolutely have to SWAT team by 1 p.m. to be done by 1? And I cannot tell you how powerful this mentality is because guess what it is? It's your insurance policy. Because if you finished your major priorities and your major needle moving activities by 1, then all the firefighting and emergency reactive things you have to do the rest of the day, you got time for it. You know, you want to explore something? You want to get distracted and looking at something? Hey, more power to you. You are done by one. You want to look, deep dive into something you dork about? Spend another hour on your passion? Spend that extra 30 minutes at the gym today? No problem. Done by one. You follow how powerful this is? It's your insurance policy. Getting it done by one. I hope that you give it a try, guys. If you like this idea? If you do and you may achieve something awesome, use hashtag done by one, hashtag HPX life. Let us know, Team HVX. We'd love to see what you're doing out there. People in productivity always ask the first question. They say, well, Brendan, how do I evaluate things? Because I'm a productive person, but you know what happens to me is I keep getting distracted or I keep I don't know which one to do. I've got two good options. I'm not sure which one to do. I'll share with you my shorthand. I got two frameworks that help me every single time. They're like back and napkins, things I can do that really help me decide between two different things because I get offers all the time, as you can imagine. I'm like, it can be overwhelming. And so here's how I do it. Future value plus L, oh yeah, plus PD. okay. This is my magical shorthand that helps me so much. The terms of any deal, the terms of any deal has to be less than ROI plus FV plus L plus PD. Okay, next up. <laughs> Just check it if you're here. It's a super simple one. Okay, I got option A or option B. I'm gonna run them both through this equation, and whichever one wins is the one I'm most likely to choose. And If they're really close, I'll run them through the second framework I'm gonna show you. So the first one is easy. Time. Energy. Resources. Money. This means the terms of any deal have to be less than, so in other words, what I put into something, whatever I put into something has to be less than what I think I'm gonna get out. How many follow? Very utilitarian, right? Very utilitarian value here. If I'm gonna put a bunch of stuff in, I better get more out, okay? And what I found is if I have a deal and I'm gonna put a bunch of time into it, or energy, or resources, or money, I better get more out of it. But what my magical thing was, was the S. This is the one no one ever thinks about, and everyone screws up, and they make a lot of decisions. A lot of utilitarian-minded people, very logical, very logical, strategic people, make decisions based on time, energy, resources, money, and they forgot the S in the equation, and you have to Think about every bad decision you ever chose versus something else you said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You just did not consider this thing called Sanity. How much time, energy, resources, money, and sanity and am I going to have to put into this thing? And I really got to think about that because how many of you ever did a deal with something where it literally, you had to work with someone who drove you insane? <laughs> great money, great output, but the input of my own sanity, it would have driven me crazy. Entrepreneurs make this mistake, especially all the time. You don't think about how much craziness is gonna go into something. You just get attracted to the time, energy, resources, money. You're not thinking about the lifestyle or the community or other things that could really shape how sane it is, right? That's one thing I'm proud about with what we do with CHPC is like, we make this a very sane, calming, comforting community. We step-by-step it, it's not scary because I think a lot of other people, it's just easy to get attracted to things that drive you insane. And I think it's important for you all to care about your saying so you can bring the? Yes, okay. So whatever time, energy, resource, money, and sanity I put into something has to be, this is less than sign. I learned that in math once. (laughs) Has to be less than what I get out of it in terms on, in terms of ROI. You know what that means, return on investment. So this is a straight one-to-one. Whatever I put into it, I better get that out in investment. I better get that out. It better save me some time, build my energy, build my resources or my money, or I don't wanna do it. That's straight up return on investment. And then FV is where most people fail to have strategy. FV stands for future value. Never do anything just for ROI. This is where they wreck kids in business school. They wreck them because we're still teaching straight up balance sheet mentality in the world. That's why our relationships are wrecked because we're trying to have a balance sheet scorecard with our spouse. We're trying to equate things out with our spouses. How's that working for you? (laughs) And so we start ruining our relationships because we are trying to get that balance sheet just even. And in real life, we want future value built into deals. I want you, if you're gonna do something, I want you to be able to look out and say, wow, that's gonna benefit me in one year, two year, three year, four year, five year. Like I can see how that moving, that piece right now, that's gonna be a building block that's gonna serve me later on. And if you can't see that, whatever deal you're doing as a stepping stone, don't do the deal. And especially don't get trapped in the idea of thinking whatever deal you're gonna do is a final stepping stone. Because a lot of people, especially when you're starting, you're like, that deal will change my life. That's it. That's all I need. I'll be good for life. That means your short-term survival thinking, not strategic growth thinking. When you start thinking about future value, you make very different decisions. Very, very different decisions. It makes you write different books. It makes you build different programs. It changes the way you sell. It changes the products that you build in your company. You gotta go back to future value thinking, including every little thing that you do. If you hire people, don't hire people to fill in a short-term need. Hire future value players. Can I get an amen on a Sunday? Right? Don't go out with somebody just because they're just there. Date future value people. Don't have short-term friends just because you need to lean on somebody who's a complainer. Create friendships with future value people. Your job is to always be honoring and protecting and standing at the gates as guard and champion of your future. Everyone raise your right hand and say, "My future matters. My future matters. So I have to be strategic. So I have to be strategic. The way to be productive is to be more strategic. The way to be productive is to do the things that add future value. You got to look past the short term, go for the long-term plays, and the long-term value will change your life. Then if entrepreneurs typically suck at sanity in their evaluations, then on the other side, they always fail on the big L. (laughs) Lifestyle. They'll take the deal because it's good time. It's... Energy, it's making a lot of money. It's not too crazy, it's not too crazy. I can handle it, but they're not thinking on the other side, boy, if I say yes to that, that means I'm gonna be working 20 more hours a week. Who's ever said yes to something that made you work 20 or 30 or 40 more hours a week and you didn't anticipate it? Yeah, I've been there too. And listen, is that related to your productivity, yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah. When you make decisions and you're not looking at the future value or thinking lifestyle, no wonder your short-term productivity is wrecked. Because you said yes or jumped into something that wasn't your thing, it wasn't of your character, it wasn't who you are, it wasn't the lifestyle you wanted to be, it wasn't who you wanted to become. And that's because you didn't take into account personal development either. You can't keep saying yes or keep evaluating things in like, well, that sounds good. Just because it's good, does it serve who you want to become? Hey everybody, it's Brendan Burchard. I'm back in the big studio and fired up about an awesome session today. We have a huge curriculum today to help you learn how to think through what things hurt you in the short term or help you. And what things are really the things that are setting you up for longer-term success? I don't know about you, but there was a big part of my life where I was too sort of impulse-driven. You know, that, that, that part of you when you're in high school or in your 20s or early 30s that a, a lot of it's just like, oh, what do I think will feel good? Or, or I want to try everything. And, and you kind of, you're you're driven so much by just, in the moment decisions based on your comfort and like what your interests are that sometimes actually costs you from building something that will give you fulfillment, from creating the lifestyle that you really want to have from building wealth to building the right relationships to just having sanity in your life. I don't know about you, but my 20s, there was no sanity in my 20s. My 20s were just like, go, 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 go at the cost of health, 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 relationships, 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 like just constant stress, anxiety, fear. And at some point, you have to realize that's a choice. It's a choice based on what you're saying yes to and what you're failing to say no to. And often, with my highest level coaching clients, and some of you guys know I'm blessed to have multiple seven-figure coaching clients who I just spend the year with, almost always the highest level people that I get to work with, they're really struggling with these types of decisions. These are really big topics for today. Let's jump in. Short term versus long term. The first thing that we tend to do in the short term, and many of you guys ask me this question every single month, is we tend to value and prioritize stability. And funny enough, it seems like something we would all want, right? We know from human behavior and human motivation studies that people want you know, safety, they want belonging, they want uh, sustenance, they want shelter, and all these things are things of like, oh, this is stability. I, I know what my day is gonna be like, or even if I, there's uncertainty there, because I don't really believe in people who perpetuate certainty, because there's no such thing as having total certainty in ourselves or others, if we can remain humble and open to the world, And the more that we want certainty and want to grab it all the time, the more we tend to lose the pop and the vibrancy of life, and the more we're disappointed all the time because nothing is ever perfect. But what we do want is stability. Big difference, right? Certainty, I need to know exactly what's going on. Stability, uh, there's a lot going on here, but I, I feel safe and secure and stable. And so this is a good thing. And often make, people make choices in the short term for stability. They're like, oh well, I guess I better get a job. You know, um, I, I best, start, I, best I, I better you know, be nice to this person so they don't go crazy on me. You know, these are things that we do in our life, taking a certain job, staying a certain job, treating people in a certain way so they don't leave us, so that we have a sense of stability. So it's not a negative thing, and I don't want any of these necessarily to feel like I'm saying they're all negative, but, what happens is they tend to turn negative if they're a consistent thinking pattern or a consistent value ethic that we have to have. And let me give you example here on stability. And this is specifically related to you guys because you ask me about this every month. You say, well, Brendan, I'm thinking about quitting my job, uh, but I haven't done it yet can you give me confidence, or when would you do it, or how would you recommend I like go into that transition? I hear that all the time for you guys in this community, like, how do I switch careers? When do I switch careers, it, you know? And the reason that we don't want to do it often is because we're seeking stability, and it's scary, right? Quitting a job, leaving an environment, breaking up with a relationship. I mean, how many of you guys Down below, by like a show of hands down below, if you just like type in the emoji of like hands like this, how many of you have ever stayed in a relationship too dang long? You were in a relationship too long because you just wanted this, or you wanted to please somebody who wanted this. And so they wanted this, or you wanted this. So in the short term, you kept compromising. You kept settling for something that was less than you. You kept allowing behavior that was not right, right? And that was just, you need to know that short-term stability seeking things tends to really hurt us when that short-term value ethic, I need stability, plays out month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. One day you wake up and you look back at the last five years and you're like, oh my God, I've been stuck in something I didn't want to be in, but I didn't have the guts to leave. And what I tell people is, you know what? It's not always a lack of courage that prevented you from going, though we can talk about that. It's often that you just overvalued stability. Does that make sense? I mean, we're in a world right now where everyone says, you know, if you don't do something, well, you're a chicken, you're crap, you're, you know, what's wrong with you? You're, you're, you have no courage. And I'm like, it's, it's, stop just going to people's character like that, right? It's like, well, this this must be wrong. They're just weak-willed humans. They lack courage. And it's like, God, calm down, guy. Get off the caffeine and let's just have a conversation. Because what happens is most bad decisions you've made isn't because you lack good qualities. It's because you overvalued something for too long. And often you overvalued something good for too long meaning often people don't leave a relationship or a bad career because all it, it's not they're lacking good qualities, they're overvaluing stability. It's a short-term thing they're trying to get, but it became a long-term strategy. Does this make sense? So they valued stability so long, it overcame other values that would've helped them have more freedom. And see, it's almost like the opposite, and that's what I want to point out today. Like, if we keep seeking stability, over and over and over and over and over again, eventually we end up in stuff that we don't ask to grow or get better. We won't rock the boat. We won't leave things because we need to feel so stable. And then that comes often at the cost of our long-term value that we need to be seeking, which is fulfillment, right? It's almost like there is a polarity here. I don't wanna say it's like one and another. It's more like a pendulum. What's happening sometimes for people is they're so far in stability, they're not asking, what would really fulfill me? And what would really bring me alive? What would make me feel connected and happy? So think about it. If you're in a place where you're always seeking stability and you're making compromises for that because you don't want to rock the boat, don't want to upset people, don't want to take risk, OMG, then you never ask the bigger question, the longer term stuff, well, what would make me feel fulfilled? See, sometimes we need to move away from stability for moments and move towards fulfillment. And this is how I would get to this question you always ask me about jobs and relationships in this community. And when I think about like, okay, how do you leave a job? Uh, I'll tell you exactly what I did when many of you guys know my story is becoming a writer. When I was at Accenture, which was a consulting company I worked for, for six, seven years, it was very stable, which is funny, what it meant was it was stable because I got a paycheck all the time, but it was not stable for my mind. It was almost like I valued the wrong thing. I valued that stable paycheck, but for my mind, it was not a healthy job. I was in you know, 16 cities uh, you know, every single quarter. I was all over the place. It was you know working every single day for six years straight till midnight, two in the morning, always being on call, 24/7, seven days a week for six years straight, while traveling Monday through thir- Thursday through different cities into different organizations, where there was no like clear mission or or clear boss or clear real goals, except for like little projects. But I, there was no values to what I felt like I was doing. But sure, why would I make it there six years when the whole time I want to be a writer? What would bring me heart and joy would be the fulfillment of writing and coaching. Why did I take that long to leave? Because I overvalued this and I undervalued that. So I kept protecting this and not acting towards that. Protecting this and failing to act towards that. And so one day I had to get real with it and I said, okay, I got to make the switch a little bit here. And what I decided to do is I said, I wonder if I can put myself out there as, as a speaker, as a coach, as a writer, and I wonder if I could figure out a way that I would know that that would probably make, as a, that, that career, now we just call it the influencer career, uh, used to be just, you know, thought leader or expert career. But I was like, I wonder if I could, you know, earn 20, 25% as a, a writer or a speaker on the side over here. And if I could get that, just kind of do it on the side, Well, then, if I, then that would be just enough to meet my need for stability, but really serve my senses of fulfillment. And I could step away from this thing that I think adds stability. And because if I'm spending full time over here in this career, but I can, I know I can see I can earn like even 20%, 30% over here, I'd be willing to leave that, jump over here, because if I gave my full time efforts, full time efforts over here, it would build up. And that was my assumption and my way of thinking. And I'm not making, you know, making that my recommendation to anybody here because 20% it was arbitrary. You might want 40% or 50%. You might have family, you might need, you might have higher you know, obligations, debts, challenges, more responsibilities than I did when I made that decision in my you know, mid 20s or late 20s. But I think that's really important to hear Often, we get stuck in valuing a good thing, stability, at the cost of the long term. This is the most important thing today. Almost always, your sense of need to feel safe, secure, things are going good, things are predictable. I mean, it's why people won't leave even horrible situations, abusive relationships, terrible, unfulfilling jobs. They don't walk away because they're like, well, at least I know this. Right, that old thing? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So they stay with the devil they know. And the sad thing is they assume everything's a devil. And they don't realize that sometimes after that transition, we can find new areas of opportunity. After that transition, when we go into new things, more positive relationships can open up, more opportunities to lead, more opportunities to serve, more opportunities to love and feel. Is there anything you have been putting up with too long? Is there anything you've been putting up with too long? Bad job, bad relationship, even for yourself, bad habits just because you know what they are? I'm just trying to say in our human psychology, stability is a big driver that often keeps us put. Hey, it's Brendan from the studio here. I wanna jump in one more time and tell you about Hey, are you on my text list? Did you know if you're in the US, you can text me at 1-503-212-6125? I actually have that text number on my Instagram account bio as well, if you want to go check it out. It's just 503-212-6125. Literally just text me and say, hey Brandon